It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. We have an exciting show today. We're going to learn a lot. I'm going to tell you about ways you might get involved in the community, and you're just going to find about some good people out here in the community that are doing some great things. So we welcome to the program, Star Armstrong. How are you? I am doing well, Cheryl. Thanks for having us here today. Star, I think that you are one of the movers and the shakers of the community. So we had to have you on, okay? You're with Clever Communities in Action, and you've brought some guests. Yes, yes. I have brought some amazing guests. Um, here I have Miss Rico Boyd, who is our literacy specialist with us. And um, I also have Miss Kalani, who is a rising eighth grader. And um, they are active members of Clever Communities in Action, particularly the Literacy Gang. What is Clever Communities in Action? Can someone tell me what that is? Yes, Clever Communities in Action is a nonprofit organization based in Norfolk that is about um, fostering a love of reading in black children and building, improving the literacy rate. And we are we do this through using culturally affirming literature. So that is making sure that black children are reading books where they see themselves positively represented. And we are also about creating safe spaces for black children to learn, for black children to convene. Um, for black children to have instructors and community who are all about bringing out the best. And then we always see the best in our young people and we set high expectations for them. And to this day, we have not had a child who has not met those expectations. Where did this come from? Who birthed this? Where, where, what are the origins? Um, the origins are ah, my origin story. I am <laughs> originally from Gadsden, Alabama, and I am the granddaughter of freedom fighters on both sides of my family. And I feel like it was kind of just put in me. Um, things that I heard my granny talk about um, when I was growing up. Um, and she also taught me to read when I was three years young. Okay. And I was a voracious reader. And I loved reading about historic black figures. But when I got to that age where I wanted to read like the chapter fiction books, I enjoyed things like The Babysitter's Club, Sleepover Friends. That was cool and all, but I was very much aware, like, y'all don't look like me. Y'all don't look like my cousins. Y'all don't look like my family members. Um, this is, these stories are cool, but they're not my stories per se. So as I got older and I began to see more black children's books being written, I was on a mission to make sure that our children were able to experience that. And um, we've done a lot of work with putting black children's books into Title I elementary schools here in Hampton Roads in Flint, Michigan. Um, thousands of books into the libraries of the schools. Um, Why and, Flint? What 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 is there? Are we a sister city or something? What? It was the water crisis. Okay. When the Flint water crisis happened, um, I was enraged by that. And so, you know, you, you do what you can. You do what you know to do. And we made some great connections up there and, you know, did a lot of work back and forth with Flint and still have people that we're in touch with to this day. It's wonderful. So, Miss Rico, how did you become involved? Okay. Well, um, I actually was a 
kind of watcher for a while. I would just kind of observe. You know, I was observing, <laughs> and, and I don't even know if Star realized that because I didn't make contact for a while. But I would see the Facebook posts, and I would see just just different things that were going on. And I am a uh, I am a educator by trade. I'm um, a trained reading specialist. I've uh, taught taught at Old Dominion. I I love um, I love teaching. I even teach acting and performing arts. I do a little bit of a lot of things. But when I saw um, the work that Star was doing or Clever Communities in Action was doing, I realized that it was very much in line with who with, with who I am and what I'm all about. And instead of creating another vehicle to do something similar, I thought, wouldn't it be wise to join in with someone that has like passion? And I'm, I'm so glad I did. And Ms. Kalani, how did you get involved? Well, <clears throat> well, my mother, um, she, of course, she works with Ms. Star, so I started coming to Sweet Frog to help out with, like, reading to little kids and taking pictures and videos, and I read at Zoo Tales um, a couple weeks ago. Okay, so you've just been involved for a few weeks? No, I've been involved um, past months, maybe, like uh-huh. maybe three or four months, I think. What's the best part about it? Um, honestly, getting free ice cream from Sweet Frog. That was very honest. I love it. I absolutely love it. She's so honest. <laughs> so tell me about this. So every time you all meet, you're at Sweet Frog's? Or how, explain this no, to me. No, um, so... Typically, it's at Sweet Frog, but um, also we met at Slover Library for Zoo Tales, and um, we read about animals, and then they show us an animal. Last time, it was a snake, I think. It was like a gray snake. Did you touch it? I did. You're brave. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Zoo Tales was a collaboration with um, the Slover Library, the Virginia Zoo, and Clever Communities in Action. We provided the readers for the program, it was important to us to provide readers who were also children and also to give our children that opportunity to be able to read in front of a group like that. And Kalani is, um, she went from being a volunteer with our um, story time program at Sweet Frog, which um, is a black owned business on 21st Street, um, part of the Clever Communities family. Their children are all entrenched in our programs. And um, Kalani graduated to become a part of the Literacy Gang, which is our middle school book club. So um, that's something that I'm sure she'll want to expand on. But I, I lost my train of thought, y'all. I'm, I was that's okay. But so anyway, t- yeah. Tell me about all the different aspects of Clever Communities. Okay. So we have um, several programs. In addition to having donated all the books to um, all the black children's books to Title I elementary school libraries, we have, as Kalani mentioned, the Clever Kids Story Time. And that is where we do a monthly story time at Sweet Frog on 21st Street, Black Owned Business. And that is, um, we pick black children's books with different themes and we read the book, do an interactive activity with them and build community again around literacy, people meet each other. But um, what age is this? So one? this is elementary focused. This okay, is okay. this one is elementary focused and you know sometimes we've done stories about again back to um, friends we met in Flint. One of our um, friends, her 
uncle was Mark Clark, who was the Black Panther who was also assassinated with um, Fred Hampton. Mm -hmm. And she has a story called Panther in the Sky. That was one of the books that we read. The last one we just... That gave me goosebumps. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And, and, you know, during this time where they're working hard to um, abandon our history, to rewrite our history, it is very important that we create these safe spaces where we are able to our children are able to learn about our history at a young age with people who know the history, who care about the history and are invested in our children and are invested in the improvement of our communities. Because we don't just teach our history just because we understand that we, when we know what came before us, we are prepared for what is to come. You know, when we know what came behind us, we're prepared for where we have to go in front of us. And we teach our young people that they have a responsibility um, to take on this fight. Um, So the last story was about Augustus Jackson, and he was the black man who improved ice cream. So that was a lot of great information, but it was fun as well. Um, And then the Literacy Gang Book Club is a book club for middle school students. And um, Miss Rico was like she said, she when she began um, working with the organization, her heart was really on middle school students. We'd done a lot. We had a heavy elementary school focus and high school focus. And I'm like, we're, we're getting to the middle school. We're getting to middle school students. We love them. It's not intentional. But Ms. Rico was like, well, can we kind of get to them now? And it was like, yes, yes. And so their Literacy Game book club was born. And um, this summer, we read the book. We kicked it off with the book Victory Stand which is written by um, Derek Jackson, New York Times. I mean, yes, I know. (laughs) Stop, I got it, I got it. No, it wasn't even to you. It was because Derek, never mind. Um, It was written by Derek Barnes, New York Times bestselling author, who is a friend of Clever Communities in Action. Nice. And um, he wrote the book Victory Stand about Tommy Smith and the 1968 Olympics. We've all seen that image of the black power salute, but a lot of people don't even know the story behind that. So our children learned that at a young age. It's a graphic novel. Um, very powerful story. And um, the children were able to meet Derek Barnes. He came in. Um, it was virtual, but he had a wonderful Q&A session with them nice. um, at the beginning of the program. And they loved that so much. Being able to see a black author, that's another thing that we've done was bring authors a lot. And the impact that that has on children at a young age to see an author who looks like them, who looks like their family members. And it has such a strong impact. Like after um, we did that virtual session with Derek, the when when the um, meeting was over, the kids immediately ran up to their parents and went, we got to meet the author, we got to meet the author. So it means a lot because when we see something, when we see somebody who looks like us doing something, then we understand like, okay, I can do that. I can be that. Correct. We're involved in these things, and these are things that are a possibility to me, and that's amazing. Um, I'm sure Miss Rico, while we're on the Literacy Gang Book Club, I know she has some things she'd like to add. Okay, as far as the book club? Mm-hmm. And I have some questions for it, too. Go ahead, Ms. Rico. Okay, well, we were very excited to um, to do the book club and to reach out to middle schoolers. Um, as a teacher, I told the I told everybody last night that sometimes that middle grade, they tell us as teacher, teach, as a teacher that that's one of the most challenging parts 
of, of teaching that particular age group because they're kind of in the middle of everything. It's like they're they're independent or they want to be independent, but they're not quite there. So it's almost like they can get lost sometimes. And even when you look at um, the programming and things that, things that are available, a lot, a lot of times it's not as much available for a middle schooler, like when it's an after-school program or just different programs. So we didn't want to leave them out in that particular um, we didn't want to leave them out when it comes to literacy, literacy development, and especially being able to um, be exposed to culturally affirming literacy. So we were really excited to bring this program. And what you're speaking on is sort of what I wanted to ask you about. Isn't there something about black boys and reading in the third grade or something like absolutely. that? Am I on the right track? You Help me. Absolutely it's correct. If, they, it's, if we are not um, intentional about our children and their reading ability, it is a, there's a direct correlation between, sadly, um, where they'll end up later in life, like prison. Um, there are statistics that show that like just a connection between the inability to read in the third grade and and their future. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to. I know for me, it was um, I wanted to be the change. I don't want to just sit back and talk about what the school should be doing. I, I sometimes see those kind of things on Facebook. They should be doing this. They should be doing that. I, my question to me was, what should I be doing? And I like to challenge others to do the same. But why do you think the parents don't do that? Why do you think the parents want to put it all on the schools? I don't know. I think some sometimes it's just sometimes it's busyness or just um, not necessarily feeling equipped. It can be a number of different things. They might think you they're know, inadequate. Right, inadequate. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There are also studies that show that children that read just 20 minutes a day are at the top of their class academically. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you have to be read to by a PhD. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to get a PhD or that you even have to have a degree. But 20 minutes a day, if we would just spend 20 minutes a night with our kids or even as a middle schooler, I don't have to read to, to Kalani anymore, but I need to make sure that she has access to materials and that you know, that I encourage her to read on a daily basis. And does it need to be a book or can it be a magazine or something Honestly, else? Honestly, it can be in it. It can really be a number of things. I, I would highly suggest that it's not TikTok or Facebook Get or social media. Nerves, it's Rico. not those particular things, mm-hmm. but something that will increase her vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I encourage books. But yes, books, magazines, newspaper articles, all of those things count as valuable literacy. That's reading. That's yes. reading. Kalani, so, what do you like to read the most? Um, usually like science fiction, science fiction or do you really? Fiction. See, you, now I'm admiring that because my brain never understood it. So I love that you, I love that you like that. That's pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll ever write a book? Not really. Never thought about it. I've never been a good writer. Do stories come in your head? Not really. No. no. Okay. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Clever Communities in Action. They are in the studio with me, and we're having a great conversation about reading. People say it all the time, and I think it's just glossed over. Reading is fundamental. But it is, right? Absolutely. It really is the foundation of learning. And, you know, prior to um, fourth grade, we're learning to read. And then after that, we are reading to learn and so you have to be able to read in order to learn 
to intake any kind of information. So reading is extremely important for our children and for our community. Our um, middle school students, our, our literacy gang students, have a creed where, you know, they talk about the importance of reading and the fact that, you know, why we read um, and the fact that, liter- that literacy is indeed liberation. And we understand the responsibility that we have to read um, to our ancestors and the responsibility to our community moving forward. And so, like Ms. Rico said, just spending a certain amount of time each day reading. And for our middle school students also, that's the time where the decline happens. So even if you have children in elementary school who do enjoy reading, if we don't keep that up around the middle grades, if we don't foster a home environment or a community environment that encourages reading, then it's very easy for that to drop during middle school. And then that reading for pleasure, reading for additional knowledge can, you know, wane or just completely go away. So that's why this book club is extremely important and important for that age. We want to catch them out of elementary school and keep them, you know, through middle school reading and building community of other black children who enjoy reading. Like that is so cool to find other people who I like reading, you like reading, and we enjoy what we're learning about. So that's one of the things that is um, really dope about the Literacy Gang Book Club. Growing up, mom was a third grade teacher. Dad was a letter carrier. So we had a rule. We we could never get in the car without a book. A book always had to be in the car. That's awesome. I can remember seeing my brother on the floor downstairs in the family room, and he would have the encyclopedia open. Who knows if he knows those words today or whatever, but mom just made sure we had to read. And so I love to read because it takes me places that I haven't been. I'm getting there, but I haven't been today. It just takes you to another place, another part of the world, another part of your mind, that kind of thing. But what do you say to the parents that, as we talked about earlier, their reading may not be up to where they want it to be, so they're embarrassed to introduce reading to their children. How do you encourage them? So that initial question, there are a lot of systemic causes. If you go to any question, why is this in the black community? Why is that in the black community? Which when we get to the Law Scholars Program, we can start to unpack some of those things. There are a lot of systemic causes, and there's no reason for shame in our community. When we understand um, the totality of what the black community has experienced here in the United States of America, when we understand that reality, that narrative, it can help to remove a lot of the shame that our community may feel and help direct us in um, to where we need to go to repair these things. So no shame on parents. There are um, adult education programs out here. Um, also, Clever Communities, we have some things on YouTube with foundational literacy lessons that are on there. But reaching out to um, your children's um, teachers, not being a, you, you'll find somebody possibly that has that caring attitude. You see them latching on to your child, or it could be somebody um, in a, in a, your place of worship or different places you go and being vulnerable enough to have that conversation. Yes. Yes. And you'll be surprised that you can be met with people who show love and are willing to help. But also, if you're a child, we hear a lot of stories about people back in the day who found out that their parents were actually illiterate. Yes. But they made sure their children read. They had their child going to school. And we're talking about the fact that 
make sure the books are there, that you're visiting the library if you're able to purchase the books and watch your child read. Make sure that your child is reading. And again, build a rapport with teachers. Build a rapport with them. Ask the questions. You are the person. You are the advocate for your child. Nobody can advocate for your child the way that you can. So ask those questions. Get the necessary help. Find out if there are after-school programs available. If you feel like I'm not able to do this right now, just find out what all the resources are. Ask the questions, ask the questions, ask the questions. We learn through asking questions. We tell that to our, our, our young scholars all the time. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. So that's where I would start with the parents. And be encouraged. Stay encouraged. It's not easy, but you have what you need, and the community is out here. Um, like, just just ask the questions. Just ask the questions. Ms. Kalani, what's the last book you read? Um, it was Operation Sisterhood. It was about um, this girl. Her name was Belle, and she lived in New York. She lived in New York, and um, her mother was getting married to this guy named Bill, and he had three daughters, um, some chickens, two dogs, a couple cats, and it was just like a huge, big family, and um, it was like difficult for her to get used to it. But eventually, her and her new sisters threw um, a party for a wedding party for their parents. So it ended on a great note. Yes. Now, was this a skinny book, a middle-sized book, a fat book? What? It was about, like, 300 pages. And how long did it take you to read it? Uh, a couple weeks. So you do read every day, every single day. Do you feel your day is not complete if you haven't read something? Um, I always read before I go to bed. You do? Mm-hmm. It's ingrained in you now, huh? Yeah, right now I'm reading Hunger Games. How do you choose your books? Um, sometimes my mom suggests some to me, or sometimes like there's like school lists that suggest certain books to read. Okay. All right. So in school, I guess you are known as a pretty good reader. People know that yes. about you, right? Yes. Do people come to you? Do other students come to you and discuss books or talk about books or say something about you reading all the time? Um, not necessarily about my books in English, but usually in Spanish class mm -hmm. they do that. They'll they'll talk to you about it? What mm -hmm. do they say? Sometimes they have trouble like understanding certain words and stuff, so and they, they look ask me to, to you? help them. How's that make you feel? Um, kinda weird. Kinda good? A little bit. <laughs> okay. Well I'm kinda proud of you a whole lot. How about that? So Star, have we talked about all the different components? No. Okay. No. Let's let's do that. Okay. And and but to your point with Kalani, we are building them to be literacy leaders. Um so understanding the responsibility that they have to um encourage their younger siblings, cousins, um, even their peers to read more. And we are exposing them to black authors and black literature. So Kalani just finished the summer program of the Literacy Game Book Club. But as we move forward, um, they will be exposed to more and more black literature. And we're really excited about that. Our other program is Law Scholars, which is spelled L-A-A-W, which stands for Literacy as a Weapon. And that's a group of high school students. And they read a book called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. And it talks about how the government used various forms of housing discrimination, such as redlining, um, zoning, 
thing, block busting, different things, um, urban renewal to lock black people out of home ownership, which also equaled a lack of being able to build generational wealth. Um, home ownership was the way the middle class was built, the suburb the suburbs were built, and again, um, there were so there was so much intentionality with keeping black people out of that and a lot of times we see the disparities between a lot of black communities and other communities and I call it we see the effect without understanding the cause and so then we begin to draw conclusions without all of the information and that ends up being well something must be wrong with us because our communities look this way and something must be better with other people because their communities look this way but our law scholars are learning a young at a young age the lengths, I mean, the great lengths that the government went to to create disparities that still stand up to this day. And in the process of learning that information this year, we're doing a correlation between gun violence and redlining. And they're creating a podcast to share what they learned nice. in the book, as well as what they're learning with the correlation between um, redlining and gun violence. We are knocking down a lot of the stereotypes that get placed onto the black community and helping young people to understand there's nothing inherently wrong with us. We are great. And them also understanding um, the responsibility that they have and the ability they have the to ability, create yeah. change mm -hmm. at a young age. They are they have a creed as well. And a part of that, they are, I am a young change agent. And to see them live that out and grow their voices, um, it's really amazing. It's important work that they're doing at a very young age. And we talk about, we see the footage of the Civil Rights Movement, um, the Black Panther Party, and these were young people. These were young people getting involved. And we want our young people to know that they're, again, they are able, they are capable. And it's 2023. It's not 1968. It's not 1963. But in 2023, they are able, they have a lot of things available to them to be able to um, get information out there and create change. It is exciting. It sounds exciting. I don't know why 30 minutes goes by so fast. But I do want to mention, I don't know if you know this, but there is a young man that went to Norfolk State. When I went to Norfolk State, his name is Curtis Bunn. He's a writer, and he has a book conference every year. It just concluded last last week in Atlanta. So he he's, he's on it with the literacy, and he's from right here at Norfolk State. So that's good. It was something else I wanted to tell you, but I forgot what it was. Before time runs out, can you tell us uh, – social media handles, how you can get in contact, when you all meet, that kind of thing? Yes, we would love, if you guys are interested in finding out more about us and following us, you can find us on Instagram at cca underscore org. Um, on Facebook, we are Clever Communities in Action. And on YouTube, we're Clever Communities in Action, so you guys can keep up with us. And also on our website, clevercommunities.org, you can sign up for our newsletter. Also, if you'd like to support our work, you can go to clevercommunities.org. Do you need people to donate books or donate money so you can buy books, or how does that work? Um, we always need community support and community support is so valuable to us and we need the money to help support our programs to support there are certain books that we purchase for our programs or even when we're giving books away there's criteria that we have so those donations help us with that um, 
Yeah. All right, Miss Rico, you have any final thoughts this morning? No, ma'am. Thank I you think for Star is covering it and doing an amazing job. Thank well, thank you for doing all you're doing because you could sit thank back. You. you don't have to do what you do, but you're doing it. So thank you. Thank you. you are? Yes. Amazing. I hope you all are listening to this, having a ball, helping people. Miss Kalani, what about you? What what grade are you going to? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. You excited about that? A little bit. Okay. What excites you the most? Um, what would get you really excited? English class. Oh, I love that. Okay, so you're going to the eighth grade. Do you have siblings? Six. And do they read? Don't really know, honestly. They're a lot older than me. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all. It's been great learning about Clever Communities in Action. How long have you been around, Star? Since 2011. 2011. Uh, During the pandemic, you really ramped things up. Yes. We thank you for that. Thank you. We appreciate you. You didn't have to do that. But you did. You looked out and you said, what can I do to make sure my community is standing strong? And you did it. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate people because there's so many people and they don't understand their gifts or they sit back or they're afraid or whatever. And you weren't afraid and you've been doing it. So my hat goes off to you. Thank you. All right. I want to thank you all for listening. It has been a great show. If you have a guest that you think would be perfect for the show, all you have to do is email me, cwwwilkerson at nsu.edu. You all have a fantastic week. And as usual, behold the green and gold.